Hello and welcome to the Where Do We Begin podcast. Uh, my name's Andy McGrath. I'm a full-time uni student and play a little bit of football on the side. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you very much for that, Andy, and hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Where Do We Begin. My name is Harper. My co-host on this lovely, beautiful, brilliant day is Lockie. How are you, Lockie? I'm good, mate. That's a lot of uh, different ways to describe the day. And I, I think that was the third time you stuffed that up. But we got it eventually. And I'm absolutely superb, Harps. How about oh, yourself, mate? That is brilliant, 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 brilliant. Uh, I am very good. Thank you very much. I'm very, very, very excited to be bringing all you guys this episode with the great man, one of my favourite players uh, in the AFL competition as a big Essendon fan and as a 17-year-old Essendon fan, one of my favourite players of all time, if I'm honest. Lockie, tell us a bit about it. Jeez, I reckon you've had a few cups of coffee, but yeah, he's an absolute legend, Andy, on and, on and off the field. Um, pick one in the 2016 draft, uh, midfielder, halfback, super quick, super skillful, future captain of the club, and potentially one of the best guests we have had on the show. I'm just super excited for everybody to hear it. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to get into it. But before we do get into it, we've got to uh, just give you guys a word of warning. You will really, really like this podcast. And when you realise that you really, really like this podcast, we want you to uh, help us out. Check out our socials because that really means a lot to us. Lockie, where can people check out our socials? Yep, so you can find us on Facebook and YouTube at Where Do We Begin? And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WDWBpod. Yeah, easy. Easy as that. WDWBpod. And, of course, our three-word catchphrase goes, subscribe, share, and support. Because those three words, if you can latch onto those three words and really bring them into your heart and your soul, that would mean a lot to us if you could help us out by subscribing, sharing, supporting the show. But, uh, Lockie, we've been rambling on for a bit now. Should we just get straight into it? Let's dive in. Now, a guest that I'm absolutely pumped uh, to have on the show is a guy that uh, we've been wanting on the show uh, ever since we first started, probably top of the list. We thought we were going to take a while to get him, but uh, second season, uh, I'm delighted to welcome onto the show Essendon superstar, superstar of the AFL, in fact, Andy McGrath. How are you, Andy? Going well. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Um, I'm pumped to be on here. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you as well, Andy. We've had to lock uh, our producer, Tony, who's a Madison and fan, out back to uh, keep him away from getting his hands on you. And I know Harper was real excited. I don't think he slept last night. He's a massive <laughs> Essendon fan as well. So he's just been pumping at the gun. You know, my phone's been going off all day. Just, oh, should we ask this? Should we ask this? <laughs> so I think he's super excited and so am I. And I'd just like to start with a real hard-hitting question. How are you going? How's your start to 2021 been? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, it's great to hear there's a couple of Bomber fans uh, around. They're, they're sort of everywhere now. I've learned that pretty quickly. But 2021 uh, has been good. Uh, obviously, last year was an interesting year for all, um, both us in the football world and people in their lives in general. People went through things that we couldn't have imagined. Um, and it's good to sort of start fresh and um, put that behind a little bit, but sort of take learnings from that. And um, I guess with me, my life hasn't changed a whole heap. I'm still playing footy. Um, we're in a really hard phase of training right now. Um, so my routine pretty much consists of training, eating, sleeping, and then seeing my family on the weekends, which is a pretty simple but 
effective uh, way of life for me right now and just preparing for the season. And a little bit of podcasting in there too, which we love. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of diversity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, when we ask uh, lots of our guests about their early lives, often it's fairly mundane, a bit boring, but you might think your own uh, early life's a bit boring, but uh, we find it kind of interesting because born in Canada, uh, which is uh, very uh, interesting, for pretty unique for an AFL player. Uh, so moved here at five, but do you have any memories from back in Canada? Uh, I have a few like sort of random ones. Like, I guess when you're younger than five, you don't remember a whole heap. I don't know if you guys remember much from when you were five. But, I don't remember much from uh, the last bloody week. So <laughs> likewise. <laughs> but um, I sort of briefly remember like, ice skating on my grandpa's lake and like the, the move over here with all the suitcases and my family was a bit chaotic. But other than that, there's there's brief memories, but not a whole heap. Um, I guess more of the memories are when we return home. Um, I used to sort of go back every year. Um to see family, see uh, family, friends, cousins, all, all those type of people. And um, that's when most of the memories were made. But we moved over here for, for my dad's work. And originally it was a three-year plan. We meant to come back, how long ago was that, in 2006. And that sort of never happened. Um, as soon as, I guess, I started school here, I felt like Australia was my home. Um, and I still feel like that is. But I still have a bit of a draw card back to Canada with all the people that are connected to me back there. And um, I, I'm hoping I can get back at some point this year with, with COVID, but we'll see how that all pans out. So I'm interested to know, because obviously with Canada, you know, I guess you affiliate that with ice hockey being a major sport there. Even myself, I've been quite infatuated with the Timberwolves, you know, Andrew Wiggins, pick one, and Anthony Bennett, mm-hmm. uh, former Canadian uh, basketball superstar. So how did you get started in AFL? And what really drew you to the sport? Yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't put myself up with those boys. They're pretty, yeah, I was, <laughs> pretty famous I was, I was in their field. I was saying um, a harps. I'm like, does Andy ever go by the name uh, Maple Ablett? <laughs> no, I don't. I haven't heard that one before, but I don't mind it. Um, <laughs> basically, like, it, I just started playing because all my mates at school were playing. Um, I sort of came to Australia, had played soccer before, but hadn't played too many sports. Um, I was always, like, relatively athletic, but... Um, never really saw myself as as that being a possibility for me. Um, I used to love watching it, but sort of came to Australia. I was at, I think I was at primary school and a bunch of my mates were kicking around this random ball. And I'm like, oh, like being a young kid, you, you try and do everything, you try and fit in. And um, I started playing it and apparently I was pretty good at it. And I, that's sort of where my story started. Um, I just loved competing and loved trying to, to beat my beat my mates and um, I grew a love for the game and sort of learnt more and more as I got older but that's kind of where the where the seed started and, and fell in love after that with the game of football. Yeah like it's really interesting that you say you were quite good from the start because Canada doesn't have anything like uh, Aussie rules football over there obviously. Um, I'd so, have, you know, have you not been listening to the uh, yank, yank on the potty he's been interviewing all the <laughs> AFL USA people. <laughs> AFL is thriving in the uh, United States. So a quick shout out to Craig who have been on his show. Yeah, huge shout out. A huge great shout guy, out. but it does seem to be that pretty familiar that a lot of us, like we seem to get started in football because our mates do it. It's that real, it's that chance to that camaraderie to, you know, muck around with your mates, have a kick and really just enjoy yourself. Mm, yeah, definitely. That, that's still why I play today. Um, people sort of ask you, what's it like playing AFL? What's the best and worst parts of it? And the best part's the same as what everyone experiences playing football. You you win and lose with your mates, the the friendships and the, the lifelong uh, people that you have in your life from a game is pretty cool. Um, I guess I get paid to do what I really enjoy doing, which is something that I'm really grateful for. But um, it comes down to just playing it because I love it. Um, I love training with my mates. I love 
wrestling a bunch of <laughs> my <laughs> best mates on the field, fighting with them and then coming off and having a laugh. Like it's it's a unique workplace, but one that I feel very lucky to be a part of. Who are some of those best mates just for listeners? Best mates at the club? Uh, Ned Cole, I believe you live with. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say Ned. He's my housemate, so I'll, I'll have to say yeah. <laughs> Got yeah. a few uh, wishes for him. He could a few people. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll say two, and then Darcy Parrish is probably my other best mate at the club. Um, those are, I'll put in Ridley as well. There's quite a few. I could keep Reluctant. going on and on. Reluctant, yeah. um, but there, there's so many good fellas at the footy club. Um, I guess I'm 22 now, so a lot of the guys are in and around my age demographic, and uh, it's a really cool vibe around the club at the moment with with a lot of younger guys mixed in with a few older older heads that are really buying into what we're trying to achieve. Do, do you feel like an older head at all in the club? Because I was having a look through the stats, and I think you've got the 11th most games for Essendon out of current players at the club, and... I'm 17. I've been an Essence sport my whole life. I don't remember too many people and like from the drafting stage to becoming uh, real uh, embellished into the team, a real star. So are you feeling like one of the older heads now? Yeah, I do a little bit. Um, I feel like I've been around for a long time, even though I haven't really. Uh, I, I guess, like I said before, I'm, I'm 22. I've, this is my fifth season, but um, five seasons seems like a lot. Um, and in football, you're constantly in a rush. So uh, I'm constantly trying to get better and trying to make the people around me better. Uh, I guess playing, I don't even know how many games I played, almost 80, I think. 78, I believe. There you yeah. go. Jeez, um, Harper on the stack. Something related to that is the quiz. I'll just foreshadow that. I was hoping you'd uh, know that. Um, <laughs> don't let slip that you know is addressed two halves. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do feel like I can I can help people through certain things and um, – I know our game plan off the back of my hand now and it's I do feel like an older head in a younger person's body but <laughs> footy's a funny thing I'm, I'm 22 but I feel like I'm 30 uh, with all the hits and the, the injuries you sort of get along the way but oh, I'm still loving it. Yeah, it's interesting that you touch on in helping others because I feel like a lot of things that people, when they describe Andy McRae, it's leadership and those strong leadership skills. Now, from an outside perspective, it's also awesome to label like what you have great leadership skills, but what actually are, what do you think that you have in your repertoire that makes you such a strong leader? And like, like what, yeah. Uh, it's like, it's never been something that I really thought about until sort of leadership positions get pushed sort of at you. And initially, I guess in, in year 12 was probably the first one where I was like, well, like, maybe maybe I do have an impact on people more than I thought in the past. Um, I was lucky enough to be <clears throat> like the Vic Metro captain, um, which was very surprising for me at the time. I'm like, wow, really? Like, and they're like, yep, yeah, like this is where your peers see you, and this is where we see you. I'm like, wow, that's uh, awesome. Like, that's a big honour. And then um, prior to that, I was lucky enough to be the school captain of my school, which was again a big surprise, but something that I think um, I really grew a lot from it and learnt a lot about myself and about how to interact with people. I guess that's probably the main draw card with my leadership. I can connect to a lot of different people and. Um, empathize with a lot of people in a lot of situations um that's kind of my leadership style i like to be very personable and um help people not only with their football or their studies but but their broader life as well um i feel like i can connect with a wide variety of people and i guess that makes me approachable and um comforting to speak to and hopefully i can impact people's lives in the most positive way i can yeah i feel like that's a very like modern approach to leadership in the fact that you know 20 years ago the leader was a person that would bark orders out on the field really try lead by example try and hip and shoulder the best player and really try and be that i guess that alpha male whereas now it's just about it's about helping your friend it's really it's being like you said approachable it's being able for them to access you it's it's about the new draftee who's walked in being able to come up to you one of the senior players and being able to ask you like 
how can I improve your game and you just being able to obviously help them because I'm sure that it w- would have been a completely different landscape 20 years ago so ago where it's like it is quite intimidating approaching the like those senior and veteran players, whereas like now it's like, as you said, you know, you can connect with people. And that's something that I think I've noticed in my everyday life. That a lot of the people, like whether it's CEOs or stuff, they're people that have great interpersonal skills and somebody that you can really have a conversation with and somebody that you can really connect to, which really, I guess, helps in both the workplace and the footy. Yeah, landscape. definitely. I think, um, like you said, the, the landscape of leadership and I guess workplaces have shifted slightly. Um, there's still a time and a place to to give someone a whack over the head and like, I'm, I'm okay doing that. I'm not 100% comfortable with it. I don't think anyone is. But um, once you have those relationships and that trust between uh, people, it's a lot easier to give them harsh feedback than if you don't have those in the first place. So that's, I guess, how, how I approach it. Um, like I'm more than comfortable to give most of the guys at the club like honest feedback and tell them what they might not want to hear if it's better for us and for them. Um, and that happens a little bit less and less now, like you touched on, but still present. Uh, but I think the bottom line is you have to have that relationship or people just put their walls up. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was planning on asking this a bit later, but uh, might as well ask it now while we're on the topic. I know um, Tim Watson on SEN, I think in around October, uh, was saying that you should be the captain. Uh, maybe it was co-captain or captain at least um, next year or this year now, uh, 2021. Uh, obviously, first year in the leadership group. Is it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. If you got the cap, yeah, congratulations. Um, if you did get the captaincy this year, if it was, I guess, thrust upon you, uh, if you got voted in or elected in or however it goes, would you have been ready for it? Uh, it's a it's a tough question. I think Dyson's the man for the job right now. He's been amazing in his leadership. He's been a mentor for me ever since I got to the club um, and someone who I idolise and look up to. I guess when I arrived at the club, I was a young 18-year-old boy sort of pinching myself that I'm standing next to and talking to Dyson Heppel. Um, And I think he'll be our captain until he thinks it's ready to pass it on. Um, In terms of me being ready for that role, not a lot in my mind would change if that were to happen. I'm sort of not sure which direction we'll end up heading. And um, like I said before, Dyson's our, our captain for the future and and who knows what will happen. But uh, I think... Being a, being a captain of anything, it's, it's never a comfortable position. I, like I touched on before, when I was a school captain of our school, I wasn't overly comfortable with it at the start, and I don't think anyone is. Um, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. Like I still remember back in my um, school days, like the school captain got in trouble just because they crossed their legs at assembly because it wasn't <laughs> a good professional sort of look mm. in front of the school. So there is still pressure even at that school stage. I think you're constantly learning and growing, and um, whenever you go into a new position, it there's an element of uncertainty and that causes a little bit of stress and I'm sure that'd be the case if that were to happen one day, um, who knows, but um, I'm just stoked to be in the leadership group for the first time. Um, I think all three of us are vice captains, so I think that's pretty cool um, and something that I'm really looking forward to doing and, and being a part of and hopefully positively impacting as many people as I can and getting Essendon back to where we we both want them to be. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, pinching yourself just there. Are you pinching yourself that you're in the leadership group and how much you've progressed uh, throughout your whole career, really? Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, often, life's so busy, you, you often don't reflect too much on... Yeah, it is on, really hard to take that backseat and reflect mm-hmm. on what you've achieved because you're always sort of looking ahead, looking at the next obstacle that you can overcome and the next goal that you want to achieve. It is really hard to actually reflect what you have achieved. Definitely, definitely. I think it's, it's a really hard skill to do and something that I'm not overly good at um like you said before like i think yeah we're young it's hard to be forward. really reflective because life's going so fast for us mm, exactly right exactly right we're in the the best years of our lives so you just want to keep doing more and more but 
Uh, I think I'll sort of reflect on it a little bit later on in life when I'm out of football and think, wow, that was a pretty cool achievement. Um, obviously, I'm very humbled and honoured to be in a group like that with some amazing leaders and amazing people. And um, I just hope to bring my little little piece of input into that group and, and hopefully uh, guide as many people as I can and, and galvanise our playing group into a really strong and formidable team um, for the next 10 years, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. Now, shifting back to um to the 2016 draft. And sure, you've never been asked about this before. Thank you, Preston. I was saying that I don't think I read an article in my research of you without mention of uh, Andy McGrath was the number one pick in the draft. <laughs> like, that tag just follows you everywhere. I'd love to ask a few questions on that. But mm-hmm. the first one would be, did you ever feel like pressure being the number one draft pick? And is it is it's hard, I feel like, because... I don't know if you do, but it's only natural like, to sometimes compare yourself to people taking after you because it's like, crap, I, I was the best player at my age when I'm 18. Look at what these other people are doing now. What am, what am I doing? Am I still the best? Like, it must be like it's good, but there is a lot of pressure that comes with that. I guess you could describe in some cases the po- a poison chalice. That's a big word for me. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and it's something that I've sort of wrestled with throughout my career and you say to you say to media, you say to a lot of people that it doesn't affect you, but deep down you think about it. Yeah. Um, like in my draft year, I sort of said, yeah, like I, I definitely want to go number one, and I, I still don't um, <clears throat> don't regret any of that. Um, I'm extremely proud to have gone at the pick that I went, but you realise pretty quickly that your picks just where you enter, and the hard work is hasn't even started yet, um, and I reckon. Probably through my second, third year. Uh, first year was pretty was pretty comfortable. I came in and did sort of what everyone expected Just me to do. On the rising star, um, you know. <laughs> and I didn't Played have too many t- too many stresses in that year, but uh, I sort of oh, I'd say I sort of halted through year two and three a little bit. Um, sort of produced similar outputs as I did what my do you first think that year. Was? I can't really put a finger on. I was sort of learning a new role. Uh, I was playing on the wing through the midfield and sort of. Wings a little, tough, tough position. To it is a lot of running, a lot, a of, lot running. of running, not a lot of reward for effort. Mm. So um, I, I think I was just sort of finding my feet out there. Um, I was still playing okay footy, but um, I knew deep down that it wasn't that wasn't going to stack up long term. That's not the player I wanted to be. So um, I, I think through those years it was difficult. You sort of see guys like you mentioned before in your draft year doing really, really well, and yet you're happy for those guys, but. You, in another mind, you're sort of envious. You're like, it's only human. I, want, I, want to, I want to be there. I want to be as good as those guys. And I guess in a way, it's, it's healthy competition. Um, I guess it, I, I sort of look at Timmy, who went behind me, who I'm, I'm mates with, um, and he's had a superb start to his career. He's won a BNF. He's played in a grand final, um, done some awesome things. And uh, I feel like constantly we'll, we'll sort of keep battling it out our whole career as um, sort of my number one and two picks would would do naturally, and and then Hugh McCluggage as well, who's a superstar player for for Brisbane. I think he's been in the All Oz squad twice now, um, and it, it's nice to see us all three now now doing pretty well. And um, uh, I think you couldn't really, I guess the the top three picks in that draft, I think, are going to their club's expectations at the moment. Um, Superbly, and. I sort of feel like I was behind them a little bit and now I've sort of caught up and we're all at a similar, a relatively similar level. But um, now it's sort of great to see them doing well. Um, I guess in my second and third year, you're kind of like, wow, like I, like I said before, I wish I was doing that well and I probably wasn't. It's you say that though because you were still like in the AFL 22 under 22 for four years straight. Yeah. You're still achieving at a very well, good 
uh, level? Like, do you feel mm. like sometimes you're your own harshest critic then? Because you're saying that you stagnated, but obviously still producing pretty solid football. Yeah, uh, I, I am very hard on myself. Yeah. Um, Everyone is to an extent. Exactly. I, I'm getting better at it. Um, getting better at sort of differentiating football from like Andy from football and Andy from life. Like, I think I've sort of gotten a lot better at that since I've, I started. Um, but now, like, I'm so happy to see those guys doing well. Um, I'll do the best I can. That's all I can control. Um, I've sort of stopped buying into stressing too much about what other people and other teams are doing and worrying about what, what I can do for my team and, and how I can be the best player and teammate um, for the people around me. So uh, that's kind of my mindset at the moment. And um, obviously it's, it's natural to keep tabs on those blokes and uh, see them going well. Every time I come up against them, I hope I, our team beats theirs. Um, it's always a little bit of extra motivation, but uh, they're both great fellas and I'm sure they'll both have awesome careers. But I guess to answer your question, you, it is a – not a burden, but it feels like a tiny bit of added responsibility. Yeah. You, you don't yeah. want to let it let the team that gave you um, a chance and put faith in you down. And pride too, I'd imagine. Yeah, a little bit, a yeah. little bit. Um, now, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if pride's the one. Like, obviously, you want to play as well as you can for yourself, your family, your football club, but um, I wouldn't say that I'm sort of playing to, to be better than other people now. I'm sort of just playing to be the best version of myself. Yeah. Um, and wherever that takes me, uh, I'll be happy with that as long as I know I gave it everything and, and left no stone unturned. I've just got one more question on the number one draft. Lockie might have another bet. Um, done. Um, <laughs> you, were, you were talking about reflecting on it uh, a couple of minutes ago uh, and reflecting on it um, year on year, but uh, it's probably going to sound very blunt. Uh, as uh, number one draft pick, it, it's only because of the drug saga, really. Um, it, that's why Essen got the number one draft pick in 2016. Do you think about that at all? Uh, yeah, Le- less and less as the years go on. Um, I probably didn't realise until I came back to the club and uh, – or I guess I came into the club and realised that a bunch of the boys were coming in for their first day back too um, and then – probably didn't hit home until I played my first game and, and all those guys were playing their first game yeah. back as well. Uh, so, so it was sort of, it wasn't really spoken about too much. Um, I kind of came in right after it, as you mentioned. So I, I wasn't there through, through any of it really, any of the sort of ordeal they went through, but it was pretty amazing to see the, the raw emotion on their face when we, I think we beat Hawthorne in my yeah. first game. Um, it tells us bit more about your debut because obviously a big day. I know half remembers it. He seems to remember that, that's ev- probably everything that bloke. But, mate, um, one of my favourite memories as an Essen fan. I haven't had much over the years, but that, that was an amazing come, day. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a special day. Um, I think obviously personally it was awesome to play my debut in round one. Um, 78,000. There's a lot of people there. I was a bit so You're on the numbers today, half. <laughs> got on the sheet. <laughs> Um, but the, the added element was obviously the returning players. Yeah. Um, Huge. It was a big, big lead up to that game. Uh, I'm not sure how many of the returning players were playing that game, but I remember singing the song with all of them in the middle yeah. uh, as well as myself. So it was probably like 10 or 12 guys in the middle of the circle <laughs> and then 10 or 12 around the outside. But it was there were tears, there were smiles. It was a mixture of emotion, but it, it was very, very special to be a part of and something that I'll, I'll never forget. Well, is that... Probably your number one memory so far or up, right up there? I think it's definitely number one. Number. Um, to play your first game in an emotionally charged game like that and to have your family there and to, I guess, fulfil 
a dream that I've had for for a long, long time. And um, and to knock off one of the best teams of that era, Hawthorne was strongest side from 2012, yeah, 2016. I, I couldn't have sort of asked for a, a more pleasing debut, um, both personally and as a team. Yeah, awesome. I think you touched on it a bit before and I wanted to get to it, but you were talking before about like with the draft picks, which I don't want to touch on anymore, but about the balance, how you really feel like you've found that balance is both on the field and off the field. Could you please tell, like, talk a little bit about what that balance is? Because I know we're talking off air, how you're studying at uni, number one ranked student in marketing at Monash. Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> My teachers would not say that. <laughs> yeah, tell I'll, I'll claim that, but I'm definitely tell, not. <laughs> I've been tell us a little bit about what that balance is off the field, what it looks like for you and how that really helps you fulfill and succeed on the field. It's another great question. Um, and it's something that not only footballers, but people in general struggle with. Like, um, I guess for me, it is distinguishing my work from, I guess, like I said before, myself as a footballer, Andy from work, and then just Andy. Um, and I guess I've wrestled with that for a, a few years. And in my early years, I sort of would come home like, disappointed from a game and, and let that filter into my everyday life. And um, I guess I really just sat down and and figured out we have a club psychologist at the football club and and he works big on uh, a lot on like our purpose and and who we are as people rather than footballers and a lot of the time that's intertwined um, but I, I guess for me it's it's really leaving leaving work at work as much as I can and then um, being me as me outside of work so whether that's seeing friends whether that's going to uni seeing my family spending time with my family um, and doing things that I really love to do that have nothing to do with football. They, they might overlap at times, but um, not letting results at work, which is hard sometimes because our, our industry is so results-based. Um, whether I play a good game, a bad game, bad training, bad day, don't let it come home to uh, my housemate, to my friends, to my family, um, and just having a clear separation between the two is kind of how I keep that work-life balance. But um, it is difficult at times. You haven't been around um, too long, like four or five years, but uh, have you felt the club's uh, attitude and the effort they put into keeping uh, players' mental health and well-being uh, has that gotten? Uh, has that been even more of a focus since you started? I'd be interested to know even more if you've noticed more of a change and more emphasis on that, is particularly given that the stigma of mental health is definitely lessening over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Um, even since I got to the club, it the whole landscape around mental health and mental health and looking after your mental well being is is just massive. Like we have a full time, I think he's full time club psychologist, and I'll speak to him pretty frequently. Um, not because there's a whole heap going wrong or because I'm uh, dealing with too many things, but um, more just to keep yourself in check and keep in control of your emotions like uh a lot of the time you don't really realize that you're spiraling when when you might be and it's a nice sort of checkup but um a lot of the boys do that and football's a stressful game uh i sort of feel like i've had a lucky run i haven't been injured too much touch wood and um i've played a lot of football early on which is great but other people don't have that luxury and, and aren't as lucky as, as i've been um so i think it's a it's a really big problem in the afl and something that clubs and the AFL is getting a lot better at but still has a long way to go but uh, the club really emphasises it now and um, it's crucial in our everyday operations um, people are all over it you're filling out sort of surveys and they're monitoring moods and, and all types of things but it, it's very important in the way we perform and 
I guess, operate every day. Yeah, and just general well-being because I guess it helps you become more attuned of like seeing your mate, how they're going, knowing, as you said, because you're growing as a leader in that connection with the people, I'm sure it's helping a lot in that aspect and the fact that you're knowing the signs of when people are struggling but you're also knowing how to deal with it, how to help them. And I'm sure you're finding that beneficial in just building stronger connections with your um, teammates and friends and family. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. I think learning sort of more about yourself and your emotions makes you a lot more capable to help other people and um, see sort of signs in other people. Often it's very subtle and um, problems don't have to be completely obvious for it to be affecting someone. And um, I guess one thing that I I have been focusing on this year is trying to be the most optimistic person in the room. Um, And I find that increases my own uh, mood and uh, sort of helps other people who are can some we all do it we all get stuck in sort of negative thoughts and they spiral but um, trying to inspire optimism amongst people and, and make people feel grateful for what they have and and not worry about what they don't have and um, that's just a little challenge that I made for myself at the start of the year and I hope I'm going okay at it but just little things like that have you found that because I'm sure some people might find that a little bit like being up and about it all the time and all optimistic and always happy some people might find that draining have you found that no you've actually felt that that's improved just improved your general mood it hasn't been a hard challenge for you or how have you found uh, yeah it's an interesting question I, I'm probably not the most like up and about person all the time and that's probably not what I'm going for, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's more just... Um, just being positive in yeah, situations. Yeah, just twisting sort of certain situations that might be seen as difficult or hard. So if, if we have like a long training day and boys are like far out, like this is going to be an absolute grind. I'm like, oh, well, like it's an opportunity to get better. Like just simple things like yeah. that. Um, just changing the dialogue slightly to uh, growth rather than sort of complaining and, and I guess denial and making excuses for things when we really don't need to. Um if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, even for the, the short amount of time we've known each other, you just making a little comment before it'll come. Uh, with less than that, that does inspire a bit of positivity <laughs> and in myself and Tony back there, I yeah. hope. Uh, so we'll be thinking about that for a while, hopefully, expecting a grand final win this year after that comment. We'll try. We'll try. Uh, <laughs> um, Don't ask for much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, there is a pre- pressure from fans, Essendon being one of the biggest clubs, obviously. Mm-hmm. Is, is that something that is kind of um, impacts you and your mindset every day or compared to a, no offence to GWS or a Gold Coast, mm-hmm. do you feel that affects you in your day-to-day life? Not day-to-day, but we, we feel it just as much as our fans feel it. Um, we're obviously well aware of, I guess, how long it's been since we've won a final, how long it's been since we've won a grand final. Um, and we know that we... We think about that sometimes. Uh, we try not to put too much energy and effort into that because at the end of the day, that's an outcome. Um, we're trying to get our process right first, which it hasn't been in the past. Which is um, hard and, as you said before, results-based business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like your fans want wins and so do we, but there's a lot that goes into winning. Um, and I think now we're really building something that is going to be sustainable for a long period of time. Um, we're putting key pillars into place with regards to our culture, our game plan, um, simple things like the way we train, the way um, we approach weights, the way we approach meetings, the, the way we're conducting ourselves around the football club um, is taking a big shift for the better. And I think um, that'll only result in better on-field results. And uh, I guess with regards to the fans, uh, often it seems like 
I don't know. It seems like the fans get frustrated at us, but we're just as frustrated with yeah. what's going on. I mean, on you're then. doing these long running sessions. You're out there training your ass off, mm. not just yeah. this year. It's been the last four years. It's like every single session. and 100% every day. Players that every, there's competitors, everybody, they're putting their whole life sort of like a lot of them, all of their eggs into this, like working as hard as they can. They're as disappointed as any supporter, if not more, mm. after exactly. a loss. Like, <laughs> yeah, here, sometimes it gets <laughs> forgotten how much players really do we care. 100%. 100%. It, and I sort of wrote in one of my Instagram posts at the end of the season um, and sort of said that, that we feel the pain that you guys feel and um, we ride the highs and the lows with our fans um, and understand that in the past, the last sort of few years that we haven't been up there, haven't been able to compete against the best teams, not good enough. And um, we're striving every day to be better and to, to cement ourselves amongst those top couple teams and, and stay there. And that, that's my goal as, as a player and I think that's – the SN Football Club's goal to, to win a premiership as soon as we can. Um, and how quickly that might happen is unknown. It's up in the air. Um, it's again, about the process, as you said. Yeah, you have to get that right before Trust you the see process. the results. Yeah, it's cliche, but um, if your it's process good. isn't right, you, you can't expect to, to win a flag and be consistently good it is interesting that you mentioned goals because i know that a lot of people in life and a lot of players they use you know your goals and i guess um to, in helping yourself uh, i guess achieve in the future like do you use goal setting as a way of trying to motivate yourself as well as if you don't mind me asking for a personal what how do you i guess use those goals do you see them every day do you write them into a diary and i guess what are your goals for 2021 we, we do a lot of golf setting at the football club. Um, Find it beneficial? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, we did an interesting activity last year. Um, our club site got us to write um, basically a, a paragraph on where we see ourselves in 10 months at the end of the season. Um, and essentially the goals for the year. They're, that's what you want to achieve. Some of them you, did, you don't tick off, others you do. Um, Mine, I guess, from last year, I haven't really gone too much into it this year yet. I've sort of just tried to get as fit as strong as I can. But last year was to, to be, I think it was to be the best midfield at Essendon, um, to be playing in a grand final. That obviously, that didn't happen. Um, and to sign a new contract, that were basically my three. Um, I, I think I'm getting closer to the first one. I think I'm in the top couple midfielders at the club now and I feel like I can impact games just as much as anyone um, at, in, on our team on any given day. Um, and then I also ticked off the contract one, which is great. But uh, I, I guess for me this year, just thinking about it now, I um, just want to see gradual improvement in our football, t- in our football club and um, be competitive in all games from a team point of view and, and really show ourselves, prove to ourselves and prove to our fans that we're heading in the right direction. Um, I can't really put like a number on wins or whether we win a final, like it's not really at the forefront of my mind. But then I guess personally, it's just to, um, I guess, keep becoming a better player. Uh, I think this year, one of my main goals is to be more damaging by foot and um, just cut through teams um, with my legs and and my agility. And hopefully you guys will see that on show a little bit more. Uh, But I'm looking forward to impacting games quite a bit more this season. Yeah, it's interesting. Just I feel like how the perspective towards goal setting sort of changed because I know I don't know if you ever had to do goal setting at school, but I reckon at year ten or something like you know the school would make you go out and do the goal setting, and at the time you know you just sort of write something so you could quickly go out for recess or lunch. Whereas like mm. now I can see how beneficial it actually is to set those goals, to really give yourself something to achieve, and as well as aiming as high as possible because if you aim short, it's like there's nothing wrong with failing to achieve your goals. You may as well aim as high as you can and try and aim to achieve that. 
Hundred percent. Like visualizations, huge. Um, yeah, I love visualization. I guess the best sort of example I've got is, is Jordan Ridley from last year. Um, we've been good mates since we got drafted, really, and he's still one of my good mates. And we sort of spoke about um, we sort of dreamed one day that we'd be sort of one and two in in the S and B and F, and um, we'd sort of laugh about it a little bit. Um, Did you say you're one? <laughs> uh, we didn't. We didn't have one or two on there, but uh, we sort of laughed about it. Probably. I reckon it was during the COVID break. So Reed's, um, I remember Reed saying this in America uh, about a year and a half ago now. He's like, oh, not really sure how footy's going to go. If not, um, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to come over here and be a punter. And I'm like, rightio, like, fair enough. He At that point, he wasn't playing AFL. He'd played two or three games. Um, and then during this COVID break, we were sort of talking about it. We're like, yeah, like, that'd be awesome if we could get here and it's funny how quickly things like that can happen when you you have a goal, you have a vision, um, you work hard towards it. Um, and it was cool to see that, that we were one and two for a lot of the BNF until I, I went down and hurt my ankle. But uh, I think Ridge still would have run away with it. But uh, he's an awesome example of how setting a really high bar, um, even though he was way off it when he set that, um, he was able to get right, right there and be our best player last year. Yeah, like... We're here to talk about you, obviously, but Jordan Ridley, what, what an amazing story. And I had no idea that he wanted to go over and be a punter. That was a goal of his, but that's really interesting. It wasn't necessarily a goal, but yeah, it was but like, something sort of set aside. Yeah. It's a backup plan, yeah, exactly. um, which we laugh at now. Yeah. Um, we're like, well, you're here, you're stuck here now. Yeah. Uh, you can't do, go and do that. Because <laughs> I, I don't think uh, many Essen fans thought this guy's going to be a star even two years ago, but last year... He exploded. Did he make the All-Australian squad? I think he yeah, might have. Yeah, he was in the 40. Yeah, yeah. Like that is – it's just unbelievable, honestly. We mm. probably should move on because we're here to talk about you, like I said. <laughs> no <but> worries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lucky. I'm sure you noticed that as well. Uh, yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely had an awesome year. But something else I'm sort of interested to sort of know about is, is how excited you are to um, play under Ben Rudd. And obviously, you know, he was involved last year, but John Worsall was still the senior coach. And now Ben Rudd, he, he was still on board. But now he really has a range. How excited are you that he's – got the full preseason you really get to play under him after having experienced it last year yeah i'm very excited uh ben's a great guy um i love love playing under Wusher and um he was sort of the head coach when i arrived so he has a special spot in my heart and he he played a great role for the football for the football club through a really rough time but i think it'll be it'll be great to have ben um take full charge and he's already um sort of implementing his style amongst the whole football program and the boys are really buying into it and uh, we're really excited for a, for a fresh start and to see where we can take this football club he's got great personal skills he's really across the playing group and uh, the mood and the vibe around the playing group he's got great connections to each player and he's also not afraid to give us a whack if we need it so I think he, he has a nice nice balance between being sort of a not a mate but a good connector with our playing group um, and then also a figure that can really impose himself it on sounds us like he has that nice little mix of like he's got the modern I guess theories but as well as the fact that you know as you say he can give a whack like he's still a little bit old school in that respect but he's got the new school theories and stuff and that'll mm-hmm. really take you to that hopefully that next level yeah we're, we're hopeful I think he's he's the right man for us moving forward and um, I'm super excited to play under him for a long time last year is that a little sneak peek, not necessarily the results, obviously, um, but are the um, is the game plan a bit of a sneak peek from for what we can expect in twenty twenty one? It'll be similar, but a lot more refined. Yeah. Um, 
I think we, we had the concepts down pat last year, but we just couldn't execute consistently enough. Um, I guess the, our second half against Hawthorne, if you remember that game, yeah. that, that's what we want it to look like all the time. Um, practically, that probably won't happen all the time, yeah, but um, uh, that's, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Um, that's probably the only half of footy we played at our absolute max for the mm. whole year. Um, and normally you probably need two and a bit quarters of that type of football to, to win a game or near that level and hopefully we'll see more and more of that come out where we're already sort of looking and, and feeling better on the training track but things change a lot when when you have opposition that don't know what you're doing and uh, are very capable themselves i want to ask another thing on 2020 uh, i was listening to a few radio interviews you'd done last year and around the time were we four and one something like that uh something like that and uh you were saying the performances haven't been great but we're getting the results which is good and then uh the performances didn't get that much worse but the results just flipped Mm -hmm. so was that something when we were getting the results was that something you the uh club was a bit scared of that it could flip because we're not getting the performances necessarily yeah it was um like externally it's great you're four and one you're you're flying um but we hadn't won convincingly we hadn't played well um we had patches in games where we play all right but we were sort of I guess not not glossing over things, but um, winning can cover a few errors in yeah. the game, and uh, we probably learnt a lot more from I guess our losing stretch than we did from winning from being four and one in the first five rounds. Um, so in terms of moving forward, our, our biggest growth came from the second half of the year where we were were poor in games and, and got blown out of the water by the best teams, um, and often we're governed by results, but. Uh, I think we're becoming a lot better at uh, reviewing games regardless of results based on how we played. Whether we won, lost, draw, it doesn't really matter. We're going to review it independently and and assess how we went based on our game style and can can only compare it to to what we expect rather than what the result shows. Yeah, I think one last question on footy before I want to hear about some of your other interests. But I'd love to know, so 2021, exciting time. You've got that transition period. You know, you have three top 10 draft picks. You have a bunch of new guys at the club, um, people returning from injury. Like, Who has been on the track that's been really impressing you out of anybody and something that you think is really going to be ready for a big 2021, apart from yourself, of course? Um, oh, so a couple of younger blokes. Obviously, the the new guys that came to the club, our top 10 draft picks are great. They're going to be good players. They're they're all quite raw, and we sort of have two others, uh, Joshy and Cody, who are, again, pretty pretty raw and might take a, a little bit of time to develop, and they'll all be great players for us in the future. But I think in terms of immediate impact, I think my little housemate's going all right. Um, Nettie, he's moved to half back, and... Um, He's sort of looking like a mini Caleb Daniel back there. So I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing him up and about. And the other one from his draft class as well, Harry Jones, he's mm. gone really well. He's 196 centimetre. Clunking big, them. Big key forward and he's taking some massive marks. I'm loving kicking to him at the moment. Um, him and big two metre uh, are working well he together. He took a big down. mark today, I saw. <laughs> on yeah, he, he would have. I can't really remember it, but um, <laughs> he takes them all the time. Yeah. Uh, those, those three are probably... Uh, been flying. Um, Jeez, Peter reminds me a bit of myself then. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> big Mark, big redhead. I don't, I don't even know if you're a redhead. you got a hat on. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, those three are going really well. 
Yeah, can we, can we expect a, a debut from Harrison Jones? Not necessarily round one, but is Andy's not on the coach? <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you I think he's ready. So. I, yeah. I think he's ready. He's come a long, long way, and in the way he prepares, the way he trains, um, I think he he's well and truly in line for a for a debut at some point next year or this year. So now, so now we we'll talk a little bit about your interests off the field. So I just discussed a little bit about that. I saw that you play the F one game. I, yeah. I have that game. I'm the worst at it. I don't think I've ever completed a race online. I'm just terrible at it. But you're an F one fan in general, aren't you? Uh, I, I followed it a little bit. I lost a bit of track this year with the chaotic season. It was yeah. kind of everywhere. Um, but there was a big crew of the Essendon boys that watched it religiously. In did you watch the yeah, the Netflix documentary? Loved it. Loved that. Um, and then went to the F1 a couple of weeks after I watched that and I was poked. Yeah. So there was probably five or six of us that would talk about it all week. Um, we had like an F1 fantasy league going. There was <laughs> there was plenty of band, bandwagon sort of stuff going on, but uh, I'm not good at the game either. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> I, I, always, I always go as Williams Racing because I want to try and get them to win, but <laughs> yet to achieve it. No, it's it's an impossible game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm... Um, is that the main sport you're into as a fan or you, you talk about soccer a bit, your brother, obviously uh, soccer player, Premier League, A-League, anything uh, like I'm that? I'm not huge on soccer. I love watching my brother. Yeah, um, of course. That's probably the only soccer I really watch. Um, so I'll watch a bunch of his university games, which I'm really excited about. Um, but my probably second favourite sport is the NFL. I, I love football. Um, I only really got into that the last, yeah, he's got a Super Bowl shirt on. Um, <laughs> But uh, I only really got that into that probably about 18 months ago um, when I went over there and watched a few college games and watched a couple NFL games in a better time zone. Um, so I, I love that. I, in terms of teams of support, I don't really have a team. I love Joe Burrow from college, so I think I'm going to jump on the Bengals even though they're horrible. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I love the NFL. Yeah, that's good. And uh, am I correct in saying your brother was at the Victory for a bit in the yep. academy or NPL? Yeah, he played He played at Victory, um, then he played at Oakley for a little bit and then got a scholarship to go play in the States. So he, he's at George Mason University now in, in Virginia and he's been over there for about two weeks and it's freezing cold for him now. It's below zero. Um, half his team has COVID, but oh, he's oh. going well. <laughs> he's oh, going okay. well. So what else, what else does Andrew McGrath do to keep himself busy away from football? Uh, I, I go to uni, like we mentioned before. Uh, I study business at Monash. I'm definitely not the number one student I'm nowhere near it um, I sort of go in I keep my head down a little bit meet a few people um, a lot of the people in my class are a lot younger than me so it's, <laughs> uh, uh, it's different I, I enjoy going in there and meeting people and uh, many people that have no idea who you are they sort of treat you as a, every other student and, and I love that part of it um, what else do I do I like playing golf um, I'm not very good at it again, but a few of the Essendon boys like playing it. Um, sort of mid mid rank in I guess the Essendon standings, but um, I like getting out there. And then I love spending time with my family. Um, they're sort of my number one supporters, and, and always have and will be. Number one supporters apart from Harper. There you go. You <laughs> might you might be second. Uh, my mum my mum will pee pee on that one. Um, but yeah, I love getting home as much as I can. Uh, I, I don't live at home anymore, but they're, they're 15, 20 minutes down the road and I'll get back as much as I can and, and love sort of hanging out with 
with them. Uh, I think my parents need a little bit now that no one's no one's at home. My sister's moved out. I've moved out. My brother's on the other side of the world. So yeah. give them some love as much as they can. Yeah. Right, well, now I reckon it's time that I know uh, Andy's been waiting for, the uh, the famous quiz. We've got one question before, our final question that we always ask before the quiz. Oh, yes, uh, remember, we, we haven't we done do. a podcast for a while, like he's forgetting. <laughs> we always ask, uh, get a bit deep, if you've got a life philosophy, any quotations or just a, a mantra, philosophy that you live by? Um, not, not, not a like, I wouldn't say it's a quote, but we work on, I talked a little bit about the club psych and, and our purposes as people. And I, I guess I sort of live, we go through this whole process to find your purpose. And, and my purpose is, is to inspire through courage and kindness. So that's kind of how I live my life every day. Um, I try and impact people in a positive way, um, through my actions, um, and, and the way I treat them. And I think that sort of sums me up in a nutshell, that little phrase, but, uh, that has sort of evolved a little bit in the last couple of years, but that's where I'm at right now. Good thing to live by. Uh, lucky you were throw the quiz, uh, <laughs> throw the quiz over to me and again. Now, yeah. Now it's time for the reason that Andy came on the show for the quiz. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> See where this goes. <laughs> Okay, so we get a bit uh, weird and wacky in our quiz, I've got to say. Uh, We've got five questions and they've all got some vague connection to you and your career and your life. Uh, It's not something like what number did Andy McGraw wear for Brighton Grammar. It's uh, a bit... Do you know that, by the way? Do you know that one? No idea. (laughs) (laughs) What was it? Two. Two. There you go. Uh, Moving up, number one now. Lovely. Um, Moving up one. So uh, question one, uh, this isn't the question, but what city did you grow up in in Canada? Mississauga. Mississauga. Okay. So I did a bit of research into Mississauga. Seems like a very nice place. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, according to Wikipedia, it's very diverse. Lots of um, South Asian people there, Indians, uh, Pakistanis. So I can tell you that 23.2% of Mississauga's uh, population is South Asian. And I had a look at uh, some of the Indian restaurants in Mississauga. Yep. And uh, the number one Indian restaurant trip advisor in Mississauga is called Masala Bites. Had a look at their menu. I went really deep into this question. Uh, had a look at their menu. <laughs> it features a whopping eight <laughs> dishes. I wish we had a camera on Andy right now. His face is just... <laughs> <laughs> it's got eight dishes that have paneer in it. So can you just tell me what paneer is? Mate, I have no idea. Not I've... big into your Indian food? <laughs> I do like Indian food, but I couldn't tell you what paneer is. Lockie, do you want to have a crack? It's you against Lockie, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that. It's not a spice. Mm. Do you want to have a crack at what paneer is? It's in eight dishes on the menu. Big into it in Mississauga. I feel like it's a vegetable of some sort, but... It's not a vegetable. It's 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 kind of like cottage cheese. Cheese. There you go. It's very nice. There's something new every day. I would recommend it. I wouldn't search cheese that <laughs> to the level that you did just then but <laughs> each <their> you go <laughs> we'll go uh, question two it's new all uh, uh, so we'll, question two is uh, closest to the pin okay. question uh, so you were born on the 2nd of June is that correct that is correct yeah uh, so I can tell you another event that happened on the 2nd of June nearly as momentous as you being born was uh, Queen Elizabeth II being coronated uh, in Westminster Abbey uh, on the 2nd of June of which year it's closest to the pin what queen was it again? Queen Elizabeth II, the current queen yeah. of the UK. Wow. Um, right, she got crowned. The year she was coronated, crowned, yep. I'll go... I reckon Lizzie was coronated in 1968. 1968 is incorrect, but it's closest to the pin. 
Big shout out to Elizabeth if she's listening, by the way. I know she's a big fan. Uh, 1962. You said 68, yeah? Yeah. Andy gets the point because it's 1953. So. 68 years or something. She's doing well. Uh, it's 1 0 to Andy. Uh, we'll go to question three. I come in clutch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, question three, of course, the, your debut, 25th of March, uh, 2017, my birthday, incidentally, as well. Wow. Uh, great yeah, great day. <laughs> <laughs> Huge occasion. Uh, so uh, which multi-record-breaking movie starring Emma Watson and grossing over $1.6 billion uh, was the biggest movie of the day on the 25th of March, 2017? Well, it'd have to be a Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, What's oh. your guess? 1.6 billion. That's a lot of money. 2017. In, oh, it was, it was in 2017. The day he debuted, it was the biggest movie. Starring Emma Watson and... I don't, I'm not really good with Harry Potter. It's not a Harry Potter, it you looks like. Nah, it's 2017. When did the last Harry Potter come out? 2011. <laughs> She's giving you a pot of clues, mate. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Keep it down. Wow. Um, Emma Watson. Do you want to have a crack, Lockie, while Andy's thinking? Uh, you got any idea? I'm hopeless. Okay. My house painted know this like that. He's oh. really good with his movies. Um, no, Find I'm a friend. Yep. Lockie, do you want to have a crack? Andy seems a bit stumped. 27. Level of scores? Nah. Beauty and the Best. I wouldn't have got that. No, nah, I wouldn't have got that either. You got that? Well, there you go. Oh, it's a very big movie. I haven't seen it either, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. But she's definitely in it. <laughs> yep. uh, so, yeah, Andy's still 1 0 up. Uh, question four. So, uh, as we mentioned before, uh, you've played 78 games. Yep. Uh, and uh, my question is which Taylor Swift song, which goes at 78 beats per minute, uh, has these lyrics. So I'm just going to read out the lyrics. You can buzz in at any time with which Taylor Swift song it is. My time to shine. I think I'm pretty confident on this one. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I'll read out the lyrics of this Taylor Swift song. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, a few mistakes ago, I was in your sights. You got me alone. You found me. You found me. You found me. I guess you didn't care. And I guess I liked that. And when I fell hard, you took a step back. Without me, without me, without me. You can buzz in at any time. <laughs> uh, and he's long gone when he's next to me. Got it. I know you're in trouble. Absolutely correct. Bang. Two nil up. Lovely. Uh, you big fan of Taylor Swift? No, no, I was singing it in my head. I, I got it as you were doing it and I was kind of going faster <laughs> than you were reading. I was trying to ignore what you yeah, were saying and trying to get Going the through the chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I needed the chorus. Yeah, <laughs> I was just about to get to the chorus. So uh, anyways, two nil up, but... Uh, our last question, Lockie's still within a shot uh, because I know you've listened to all of our episodes and you'll know that uh, our last question is a who am I question. Okay. So I'm going to go down from five points all the way down to one point with a series of clues uh, about who I am, obviously. And uh, once you've buzzed in, you can't buzz in again until the other person gets it incorrect. Okay. So I'll start with a five-point clue. A world-class athlete, I was born on the 2nd of June, 1989, in my country's most populous city. I'll go to the four-point clue. Doesn't a bit tricky 1989 there. athlete. Okay. Uh, for four points, I have dual British and Australian citizenship and most of the domestic teams I've played for have been from these two countries as well as India. I'll move it on to the three-point clue. In 2015, my country lost the Ashes series. Uh, I beca- uh, and I also became uh, the youngest person to win the Sir Garfield Sobers Trophy. I don't know what that trophy is. Lachlan. 
So he's 31 now. Yep. So I'll oh, turn 32 this year. Yep. Uh, and he's, it'd have to be Steve Smith. Steve Smith. If you get this, you've won. Steve Smith. It's absolutely correct. Well done. It's nailed it. Well done. Well done. That's a good comeback from that you. That is Walker. a good. Well done. <laughs> We've got clapping from the That's producers. Very well done. Little shack back there. Well done, mate. <laughs> same birthday as you. Uh, there you go. There were quite a few uh, people with the same birthday as you, incidentally, which is uh, very interesting. Anyway, of course, good Great, great quiz, Andy. I'd just like to thank you for coming on, mate. It's been an absolute. One more thing, <laughs> Lockie, before we go. Jeez, I've jumped down again. <laughs> I thought you were going to brag for the win there. <laughs> 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 he, he will be for the next uh, few months, yeah, I believe. Well, you got one, right? And it was worth three points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're introducing a bit of a new thing. This might be the first uh, episode you hear it in. Uh, depending on when we release all of these episodes for season two. But we're getting our guests uh, to plug a bit of a charity, be a bit charitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it might be a charity that's close to their heart or any particular charity uh, that it would be great if our listeners could donate to. Uh, so, Andy, have you got a charity that you would like to promote and give a shout-out to? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I do a bit of work with with two sort of charities at the moment. Um, the the first one I got involved in is called the RCD Foundation. It's a, it's a children's cancer uh, foundation. Um a, a boy from my school who, his younger sister is in my year level, uh, passed away tragically in year 11, I think it was, from, from brain cancer and um, his family sort of put together this foundation and as soon as I got drafted, uh, the, the mother, Liz, came up over to me and asked if I wanted to be an ambassador and um, I said yes in a heartbeat. So they do a lot of great work um, with regards to, to studies, to, to giving money to to families that are, that are struggling and they do a big uh, run called Connor's Run every year that it's a big draw card for their foundation um, and I guess I'll give them a plug and, and love doing work with them. And then the other one is very similar. Um, again, a, a, a cancer foundation called My Room. Um, I'm sure you would have heard of the telethon that they do sort of every year um, through the AFL and a lot of high-profile people um, from around Australia get involved in that one and um, I, I just think it's a great... I guess as football players, we have a great platform and uh, can reach a lot of different people and I, I guess to inspire uh, both people who aren't doing so well and people who are to, to give and to give back is something that I love doing. So so my room and the RCD Foundation, um, they're doing great work and, and get behind them. Yeah, we'll give a plug to their websites and all their socials uh, at the in our outro of the show, but uh, I think that just about wraps us up. Thank you very much Thank for coming on. Thank you so much, Andrew. Really Thank you very it. much, guys. Absolute it was, it was a blast. <laughs> Thanks again, Andy, for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure and it was an absolute pleasure getting the win in the quiz over the number one marketing student at Monash. Uh, Yeah, of course. And I know... Uh, you'll be bragging about that one, Lockie, for the next three years, just like I'll be bragging that about the fact that I had Andy McGrath on my podcast for the next three years or maybe even uh, a lifetime because that was a real honour having him on the show and just like it always is, but especially being a big fan of the Bombers, it was really great to have him on. But we'll get to our segment that we always do in the outros of this season two. Uh, we give a uh, shout-out to the charity, or in this case, charities, that our guests mentioned. So... It's something that we really like to do because it means a lot to our guests and the charities involved and the people the charity helps. So, Lockie, what's the first charity we're plugging? Yeah, so the first one is the Robert Connor Doors Foundation, and this is a cause that's really close to Andy's heart, as you heard him speak about before, and it was created in the memory of Connor in June 2013. Um, 
they try and uh, they try and support by um, contributing funds to help with the research of brain cancer in Australia. Um, offer care to families by organising and funding uh, rehabilitation therapies and offering home assistance. They're also trying to develop and inspire the next generation of brain cancer practitioners and researchers. It's a really awesome cause and something that I think our listeners and I know they will will really get behind. Yeah. Uh, indeed. And if you want to donate to them, you can check them out at rcdfoundation.org. That is rcdfoundation.org. And the next charity, equally as important, is My Room. Uh, you can check these guys out at myroom.com.au. So these guys, uh, they were founded uh, 29 years ago now by three families who were all personally touched by uh, childhood cancer. And they've gone on to great things in those 29 years. So they're all they're led by volunteers and uh, they just work, they work together to support like patients and families affected by cancer, which is something really great and especially great is uh, that they obviously they're relying on the generosity of their donors uh, to fund their all their projects, but they really uh, big on keeping their administration costs low and uh, having efficient fundraising methods so they can uh, give as great a proportion as possible of the donations directly to the projects that those um, donations fund. So it would be really good if you could check out both of those charities. The first one, uh, Robert Connor Dawes Foundation, rcdfoundation.org. Second one, My Room, myroom.com.au. So if you can spare any change, I know if it's, it's a tough time for a lot of people out there with the pandemic at the moment, but if you could spare even if it's just a dollar, even 50 cents, every single cent counts. So it would really mean a lot to everyone involved with the charities and the podcast uh, here at Where We Begin if you could help out those charities. Yeah, and it's probably the whole lot of my show that we get to support these charities. You know, it's another great cause by Andy and it's just such an awesome thing to be able to do. And now I guess moving on and looking on to next week, we have our next guest, another superb episode that I'm super excited for. Harps, can you offer us a little clue, a little tease for our next guest? Okay, I'm not going to give it away fully, but I'll just say, awesome foursome, three-time Olympic gold medalist, five-time world champion, and there are seriously not many people uh, with a better. Uh, there are seriously not many people with a better collection of honours in Australian sport. So this is going to be a really good one. Uh, make sure you're here, same place, same time next Monday. It's going to be a really good one. Uh, thank you all, guys, for listening. It's been a delight uh, having you listened to this episode. So, yeah, thank you. See you next week. And I'd also just like to uh, thank the listeners. Um, can't wait for you guys to be around for another episode. It's been a lot of fun. And thanks for all the support. Cheers, guys.